0: happy people cast. I'm Sophia Lemon, and I have Tara Filto with me today for Mother Daughter Empower. Hi, Tara. Hello. Thanks for having me on today. Well, thanks for coming. slash logging into Zoom. <laughs> Tara, can you give us just a quick overview of what Mother Daughter Empower is before we get into talking about all of it? Absolutely. So
1: Mother Daughter Empower, we're a Canadian uh, national charity organization, and uh, we support both women and girls to reach their full potential. We do that by providing them equal access and free uh, services like one-on-one coaching and counseling and workshops in their communities. And we also host the annual Mother Daughter Empower Conference and Awards, which is our biggest event of the year that brings in just over about 200 Uh, women and girls. So we focus uh, girls in business, women in business. We have our uh, finalists for the Empower Girl Awards. And we have uh, workshops as well that are going on simultaneously during the day. Um, So in a nutshell, that's pretty much what
0: we do. (laughs) (laughs) That's really awesome. Okay, so I love Mother Daughter Empower. And we're going to get into like why you got into like, well, why you created Mother Daughter Empower. And all of that fun stuff but first i just want to know a little bit about you and your family and how you came to be at this point in your life so take it yes. away thanks so Tell i'm only about you three,
1: um 13 nine and six so very busy they're all like three three and a half years apart um and yeah it's just very busy i would say that our days start out uh, getting the kids off to school on time, which as most most parents can relate, is usually quite the struggle and a little bit of a rush. But uh, for the most part, everyone gets to where they're going on time. And then I typically start my day out with mother daughter in power. Um, there's always meetings. There's the the to do list is never ending um, in terms of what needs to be done for the organization. And then I would say that the nights are kind of the the same, very scheduled around the kids and their activities um, and dinner and trying to get some one-on one time in. I think that's really, really important because again, we go around all week very, very busy. so it's important to get those one-on one hours in or or minutes sometimes if that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband, he's a he's a tailor. He works in Toronto, so, He's, he usually comes home pretty late. So again, that's their time, like dad home, get some family time in, in the evening before we, you know, all get to bed and start all over again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. I don't think I knew that he was a tailor. Ah, there you go. Yeah,
1: he, um, he owns a store in uh, Thornhill. Very cool. How does
0: one get into tailoring?
1: Yes, it's a dying trade. So um, mm-hmm. the store is both him... Belongs to him and his father, and he learned the trade from his dad. So um, they do tailoring, they do custom wear. Uh, he really focuses on men's suits. They also sell menswear, um, and they do a lot of custom designs. So for. a lot of a lot of people come a long way to see them. They've been there almost twenty five years now.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that it's a dying trade. Apparently, given that all bodies are different yes we all know how hard it is to find clothes that fit properly (laughs) yes yes it is (laughs) all right so why don't you tell us where you started and how you ended up creating mother and daughter mother daughter empowered yes
1: so my background is in community outreach and communication so i've worked with many non-for-profit and charitable organizations uh big and small across canada for the last twenty years. Um, with that being said, back in two thousand and eighteen, um, in my small community of Innisfil, it's grown significantly since. But when we first moved here, uh, there was a lot of change going on, and I had um, thrown my name into the race to run for municipal council. Uh, at the time, my eldest, who's thirteen, was was seven. Um, And through that journey, she was very eager to follow me around, which was very interesting. It was very unexpected. She would, you know, drive her bike while I was door knocking, help, you know, give out flyers. She was coming to these debates and community events and um, soaking up way more than I could have anticipated. And so it was a very, very unique uh, bonding experience. Um, And just, you know, being a kid of that age and being exposed to all that, uh, the growth that, that had on her and myself was, you know, I have no words. So when the ele- the election dust settled and I lost against the incumbent, um, I pondered for a couple of months thinking, you know, what to do next. I had this really strong feeling. Of course, you just come off of a, a one-year campaign. So that's, you know, you put your heart and soul into something like that. Um, and I just I just felt the need to be able, you know, to do something more uh, and I really, really enjoyed that bonding experience as well with my daughter and started looking for more opportunities for us to connect on that level. And so um, I started to look to see if there was any conferences or workshops and seminars. And I was quite surprised to find that. Unfortunately, there really wasn't much available for us to attend together. There was some great drop off programs. There was some wonderful woman conferences, but it wasn't open to both generations. Um and while I was doing this research, I came across a, a statistic online that said at age seven, a girl's confidence and a boy's confidence is the same. But by age 14, a girl's confidence will have decreased by 30% in comparison to boys of the same age. And of course, my daughter being seven at the time, it really, really um, shook. And I thought, you know, we really need to be doing something about that so that we can see a change in that stat. You would think, you know, it's it was... 2018 or 2019 at the time. And, you know, that's just that's, that stat was too big uh, to swallow. So I ran the idea by my daughter and she came up with the name Mother Daughter in Power. Uh, we launched a couple months later as a social enterprise that was running events for both women and girls. Um, we had a sold out national conference and COVID hit. Uh, so during that time, of course, nobody knew how long that would last. So we kept postponing until eventually we realized, you know what, we have to pivot. Um, and we decided to um, do, to host it virtually. And when we did do that, we ended up selling another, I think it was 150 tickets across Canada and some even globally. So it really reassured that there was a need for the type of education and service that we were offering. But it also, um, through that time, you know, we realized that there was a really uh, a bigger need in terms of mental health. And um, the support that was needed there, we started getting a lot of requests for funding. So moms or grandmothers that were like, you know, I really need to attend this with my daughter. I just don't have the funds right now for the $60 ticket. And so we started really um, fundraising on our own and sponsoring a lot of mothers and daughters, of course, coming from the non for profit sector that planted a seed. And I thought, you know, what, what could we do and how many more women and girls could we impact if we did have access to funding and could support them more financially with these types of resources? So, uh, we applied for our non-for-profit, um, status. We received that fairly quickly. And then we began our journey to apply for our charitable status, which we received just over a year ago now. So today we're a national charity and, um, we offer one-on-one counseling, coaching for women and girls uh community workshops and of course our national conference yay
0: (laughs) Yay. congratulations that's a lot of work like who who honestly starts a charity (laughs) these days
1: the mission i always have to remind myself that the mission is is far greater than Mm me right that's Mm -hmm. what i that's what i keep reminding myself and during um during covid so we were running all of our programs online. Um, I also went back to school and I became a registered social service worker because um, in terms of being a charity, it does take a while before you can access government funding. And I knew um, that there was a need. So I'm now able to uh, deliver a lot of those services myself as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I just wanna go back for one second and if you're okay with it, um, what is your daughter's name? Sophia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sophia, Best name.
1: Such a good name. And I have to share, I've never really probably shared this on a podcast, but when I was a young girl, I knew that one day I'd have a daughter, didn't know I'd have two, and I knew her name would be Sophia. I had
0: picked out that huh. name a very long time ago. Do you remember what it was that made you pick Sophia? No idea. I just love the name <laughs>
1: Awesome. I just love the name. I wish I'd have a better st- better story around it, I just love
0: it. We're taking a quick break. And while we do, I have a favor to ask you. Would you please take just a couple of moments to leave us a rating and a review in your podcast app of choice? Your feedback really goes a long way in helping us reach new people and also improve the podcast. So thanks very much. And we're back to the show. Well, that's a good name. That's a good enough story. Works for me. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. So let's get a little bit more into those super fun. And by that, I mean, horrific statistics, because we hear that, that you said between ages seven and 14, that a girl's confidence will drop 30%. Is that what you said? 30%. And I think people hear that and they're like, whoa, like they're shocked. But if you really think about it, especially being a woman, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure it does. Like when I was a kid, I was playing with the boys and playing baseball and everything. And then you become a teenager and all of a sudden it's hard.
1: (laughs) It is hard. It is hard. And I think the pressure is in terms of when you think about society Um, Mm -hmm. and of course, social media has such a huge impact. And now we're bombarded with so much filtering and unrealistic expectations. So, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, our generation had to open up the magazine and see stick figure models. And that was hard enough. And imagine being bombarded, not being able to look away or shy away from any of it. It's in your face 24 seven and 99% of it is, is not real. So that's a whole other aspect that we're, that we're dealing with.
0: Yeah, the social media part of it is a little bit scary. Like with Kevin's kids, like he has a daughter who is now 14. And I've, we've been like making food and stuff. And she'll say, I want to make like a Buddha bowl and stuff like that. Like healthy things, presumably healthy things. And you're like, where did you learn this? Well, I saw it on TikTok. But I've heard her like scrolling through her TikTok at times and just listening to these adult women's voices explaining how to eat as little as possible um and that's just they could just get that they can get that like a 14 year old girl could access that on TikTok. um and i just it's horrible
1: it is and without even search it's not like she's physically going in and searching for that it's information mm-hmm. that's being put in front of her constantly and so mm-hmm. it's really hard to navigate because it would be really easy to say well, you know, just don't let your kids go on social media and don't buy them a phone. And we hear that yeah. a lot, but that's not realistic. That's not the reality that we're living in right now on an, on an average, it's in grade four that kids are getting uh, their, their first device. Like we're talking about a phone. Um, I know my son is in grade four and he's constantly telling me, mom, I want a phone. Like everyone else. I'm like, no, we had a rule in our house. It was grade seven. And I think those obviously come each family is so different in terms of their boundaries and, and, and creating those rules. But it is so important to kind of create those boundaries, create the rules, stick to them and understand that the, the the stuff is in front of your kids and we can't shy away from it because it's there and it's it's not going anywhere. So we definitely there's a lot of education that needs to be um done done around the whole social media piece.
0: Yeah. With regard to social media, how do you see educating? kids because it I they just kind of soak up everything and unfortunately believe everything that they're yes. seeing on social media because someone says it with such conviction that it just seems like it's real <laughs> yes and I mean even as
1: grown adults we tend to be like oh I saw this on where did I see it oh I saw on TikTok right we're we're constantly being barbated we believe this stuff so how can we expect our kids not to so I think it's really, really important to have these conversations actually take the time, even if it comes down to, you know, maybe you want to show your daughter like a picture of, of JLo on social media and a picture of Lo walking to the convenience store. And just, again, having <laughs> these conversations about how this is highly filtered. It is not real. Everything is edited. Um, and it's not a one-time conversation. We have to keep reminding our kids of this. and And also... Um, Give them the opportunity to do to allow them to do more research. Hey, mom, I saw this on TikTok. Have a conversation. Do you think this is real? Yeah. Why? Because they said it. Do you Mm -hmm. have any other sources telling you that that's real? And then that gives them the opportunity to do a little bit more digging and getting into the habit of doing more research and not just believing everything that they (laughs) that pops up in their in front of them on their screens.
0: For sure. And and you mentioned how like we believe these things. So how can we expect our kids? not to believe these things. And I've told this story before of a client of mine who was getting ready for her personal branding session. And she was talking about this influencer and TV personality who did the same thing that she does, but has so many followers and just look at her feed. Like she's taking pictures of herself just rolling out of bed in the morning and she looks perfect. And she's showing me these pictures and I'm like, this is not real. She had a full photo shoot done. She got up, she showered, she had her hair and makeup professionally done. Stagers came into her house. They made it look the way it is she's working with professionals, like this is not real. And this was a very adult woman who truly thought until I told her that this was not real, that this was real. That's what she looked like when she woke up in the morning. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, we go ahead, go ahead.
1: (laughs) It really is crazy, right? Because we honestly see these things, but it looks real, but it's not. And as Mm -hmm. adults, like you mentioned, we have to be reminded, like, this is not real because it's ha- and it directly does have an effect on our mental health and our self-esteem and confidence if we're constantly being bombarded by perfection and then we think that we can't reach those expectations and we can't because they're not real <laughs> they're just no
0: <laughs> i know and we we still struggle with these issues especially with related to body image but it bleeds into other areas of life that we don't necessarily talk about because it's just i mean we think that, you know, we're not successful because we're just not likable. And so people don't want to work with us and just ridiculous stuff like that, like things that just aren't reality, but we don't talk about, it's really easy to see with the physical appearance part of it. And like all of those TikTokers who are talking about like, how to eat ice instead of eating food so that you can (laughs) be full, but lose weight, like, and we adults follow that. It is absurd to think that teenage girls would be able to process and emotionally handle like what they're reading and yeah. watching Their on TikTok. Are still developing. Yeah. Um, our brains,
1: for the most part, are fully developed. <laughs> 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 so just understanding that it's it's um, yeah, it's very unrealistic for even us to think that they could filter through all of that it, they need support in navigating online and it and it needs to be constant it's not a, like I mentioned it's not a one-time conversation um when it comes to education we got to constantly be adding that into you know repeat mode with our kids
0: yeah it's like doing your gratitude practice every day like just talking about or writing down what you are grateful for in your life you do it every day it makes you feel happier if you stop doing it you stop feeling happier. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (sighs) What else should we know about teenage girls and preteen girls, I guess? (laughs) Because these things start early. They do start early. And I think
1: um, for anyone that has the girl, you'll definitely see up until like the eight or nine, the nine, ten, there's definitely a shift and there's a shift into those preteen years and it really happens for a lot of parents it happens overnight so just being aware of that um and I always like to say when it comes to the teenage years brace yourself obviously there's a lot of hormonal changes a lot of attitude just don't take it personally that's always my biggest advice is don't take it personally (laughs)
0: Um, I feel like I have to warn people of that as an adult, because I still check my app, I keep track of my stuff, and I'll check my app after I've had a week of being very cranky with people and be like, oh, that's why. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. And I just think, like, with Kevin's daughter, for example, she's just, like, a person who is in my life regularly, so I see, like, not horrific mood swings, but slight, slight mood swings. And you know, Kevin just will not understand in the same way, you know? She's like she doesn't have control over her reactions right now. Yeah. She's not had the time to learn how to address her emotions. And yeah. it it goes back to we don't know any better either. Like, there's so many adults that I know, men and women, who don't have a flippin' clue how to deal with their own emotions. They
1: don't, exactly. And I think in like in general, that's what we're trying to do: is creating creating those toolboxes and having those tools in them. So when these issues arise, they are capable of taking care of themselves. Whether you're a woman or a girl, um, it's so important. And it, a lot of that is it's the preventative piece that I think that's so important. So um, the education, even you're talking about like your menstrual cycle, I, I'm for many generations that was taboo with and talked about. But having those open conversations and being aware that hey, we can track this, we can get a little bit like ahead of the game, knowing, okay, this is coming up. I know these feelings are coming. I know, you know, there's going to be a shift in my hormones. What are certain things that I need in my toolbox or in my self-care corner that'll help me get through that week? And it's different for everyone, right? So even having those conversations and especially in terms of mothers and daughters or grandmothers and daughters that, you know, that mother figure in your life, being able to have those open and honest conversations and just the awareness around it that, you know, many generations before did not have that even, you know, for a lot of us with our own moms did not have that.
0: Mm -hmm. So when mothers and daughters are coming to you and you're doing the coaching and counseling part of it, what types of conversations are you finding that you're having, like right now, 2023? You know, what are these girls dealing with? What are their mothers dealing with? And how are you having the conversation?
1: Yeah, I would say a lot of the work that we do is around confidence. A lot of the moms um that take the initiative to reach out or say, you know, I think my daughter would need help in in this area. Um, A lot of times we're seeing issues around navigating friendships and communications and boundaries. Um, And a lot of these words are, you know, are foreign to some of these moms or even to the girls. And so even kind of understanding that that again there are tools there and resources available and helping both the mom and daughter navigate the situations, what are the options, setting goals um and what happens is a lot of times when the moms come to see us about especially about confidence when we turn around and ask them the question how do you show up in that area of your life (laughs) it's sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow um and they're not expecting that and when they take some time to reflect on that they realize that maybe they're not showing up um, and setting that bar as high as they could for for their own daughters and so a lot of times the work starts with the mom because i always i've, I've said this so many times is like our kids aren't they're not going to listen to what you say they're mm-hmm. like they're not going to listen to what not always but they're going to absorb everything that you do everything the good and the bad right so making sure that if you have expectations or if you want your child to show up a certain way are you showing up that way and are you putting in the effort you know to grow and to and to be a better parent, mom, whatever that looks like in your life. So it's, uh, it's really interesting how when we do the work with the moms, it has a huge ripple effect on their daughters and and their entire family.
0: That's really awesome. Um, I know that in my line of work, a lot of the women that I work with hate having their photo taken. And it's strictly because someone at some point told them that they are not photogenic. And Again, the social media thing comes up. They're comparing themselves to people on Instagram and the filtered, edited, made up photos. Um, And they think I don't look like that when I take a selfie. And so I am therefore not photogenic. And I try to use the line in my line of work of I'm gonna help you see yourself the way your family and friends do. Because like, unless it's your very funny best friend, that you're having this conversation with, no one's going to be like, you really look ugly today. <laughs> and also, if you show them a photo you're not happy with, your family and friends are probably going to say, but you look awesome. Yep. And you would probably say the same thing to your daughter if she saw a photo of herself and yep. she thought she didn't look so good. Funny how that works. That probably happened to you when you were a child too. Like you probably had a photo you didn't like and your mother or an aunt or a friend was like, but you look great. Yeah. And now like 15 years later, you're using the same line and you're thinking, damn it. <laughs> but you can't do it for yourself. What's up with that? Because yeah. you're not any different than anyone else. You're the same. You look great to other people. You just need to see it for yourself. For yourself. And I think um I think and when you
1: take that example it's so true and it follows through in so many different aspects of our life and knowing that like that self doubt or that self confidence there's nobody out there that's 100% confident like it does not exist so no, understanding that that self doubt is it's always going to be there it's not going to go anywhere it's there it's natural but to move forward to like accept that that doubt's going to be there and then push it aside and say you know what I'm going to do this anyways I'm going to post that picture anyways I'm going to And it's to taking action. That's where you continue to grow. And that's how your confidence will continue to grow. Because that self-doubt is going to be there. It's always going to be there. Everyone deals with it. Even the most successful people deal with it. But it's how you move forward and how you kind of, you know, take action and take steps to move forward is is what's going to make the biggest difference.
0: Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of work on myself personally with regards to photos where... I've just had my photo taken a bunch of times and I found for me, and this is a tip that I give to the people that I work with just because I've learned it. um, As a woman, (laughs) you get some photos of yourself, you see yourself, you like some of them, you don't like other ones, put them to the side for like a few weeks, a month, five months, whatever, go back and look at them. And probably some of the photos that you did not like, you are now going to like. It's a weird thing. It probably has something to do with hormones, but (laughs) try that and you might start to realize, okay, I actually, I thought I looked fat then. I don't actually look fat. I was just, I was in a bad mood and whatever. But like, how do we help moms get past this whole self-doubt thing beyond just like having their photo taken and, and setting it to the side? Like, (laughs) what how can they at least communicate with their daughters better um, about these things so that certainly doing these things like judging yourself in front of your kid is like a big no-no
1: it is right it's definitely a big no-no and i so i think it starts with self-awareness you have to be aware of you know, how you're feeling in certain situations, being aware of that, definitely being aware of what you're saying in front of your kids about yourself is huge. Um, and then on the flip coin of it, uh, you know, also when you are stepping out of your comfort zone or you're off, you are maybe nervous to do something or you have a work presentation may include your family in those, in those, um, in those feelings as well. Oh, mommy has a really big presentation tomorrow. I'm really, really nervous. I mean, I put in the work. Do you wanna see a slide that i Include them in those decisions, um, in your work and whatever you're doing on an everyday basis so that they learn. Again, they're absorbing all of this, right? So taking those little steps, it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, I'm, mommy's going to jump out of a plane and do or do bungee jumping. That's not what we're saying here, right? It doesn't need to be that far out. Just those little those little decisions or those little ways that you're taking action to get out of your comfort zone. What are you doing to grow your confidence and being mindful and sharing that um, with your children, especially you know with with your girls in in that age group,
0: is is key. And how do you speak to the girls about these things?
1: I always say try to. I mean, obviously, if you can, just in everyday life, natural conversation settings um see how that conversation flows again every family dynamic is so different you're going to do at the end of the day what works best for you but i always also recommend that one-on-one time and sometimes that might just look like you know this is our schedule i have 5 minutes and i'm going to but i'm going to put it in my calendar and i'm going to make a point of having this conversation about this thing for 5 minutes with my daughter uninterrupted schedule that time in and a lot of times especially again The seven, eight, nines, they're like happy to have that conversation. And then all of a sudden they're like rolling their eyes and they don't want you in their room. And they're like, oh my gosh, really? We have to talk about this, but do it anyways. I promise you eventually they'll come back or they're going to grow up and they're going to remember, they're going to absorb. So again, like when I say, don't take it personally, don't be like, oh, but she doesn't want me going into her room. You're her mom. (laughs) Take that initiative. Put it put the time in, put in the effort, even if it feels like she doesn't want it. I promise the ripple effect of having that that time and those conversations will far
0: outweigh her not wanting you to interrupt her time alone in her room. For sure. And I want to get into this more because we are totally in the throes of the 14-year-old teenage girl thing going on right now, where she kind of wants to just stay in her comfort zone and I find that a lot of parents these days are asking their kids what they want to do. And if their kids don't want to do it, they're like, okay, you don't have to do it. And I think that Mm -hmm. is dangerous with teenagers who want to do what they want to do and they do not want to do what they don't want (laughs) to do. How? And uh, this could be about anything. It could be about playing a sport. It could be about playing an instrument. It could be about going to school. It could be about going to counseling, it could be about anything. How do we get kids to do something that they think they don't want to do?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I want to reiterate that every family dynamic is so different, right? (laughs) So what's going to work for one family isn't going to work for another Um, and it's really, really important and very pivotal that at that age, you pick your battles or else you're, you're going to be constantly battling, right? So make sure that you have, and I think if you're, if your husband and wife or whatever your family dynamic look like, have that, um, those conversations with your spouse or your partner or the, uh, like the other parent of the child, whether you're together or not, make sure you're having those conversations and laying down the lines for like what you have flexibility with and what you don't. Because at the end of the day, you're still the parent, right? Um, and this sounds like a silly example. I remember when I was like 15 and every summer, like 14, 15, my parents always went camping. And I was like, I hate camping. I don't want to go camping. I don't enjoy it. I've, I hated camping. Yet today, when I look back, those are my one of my most fondest childhood memories. I am so happy that my parents made me go camping with them. I don't remember being like upset. I just remember the memories and the moments, right? So we have to understand that we're the adults. Again, our children, their their brain is not fully developed, they're hormonal, they're moody, they're not gonna wanna do everything that that we want them to do. I get tons of requests when our when our annual conference comes around and the moms see it and they're like, oh my God, I need to bring my daughter, they'll email me. But do you think, like my daughter doesn't, she's not going to, no, your daughter is not going to want to come to a mother daughter in power conference that's 15 or 16. That's just the reality of it. She's not, she's not gonna be like, "Yay, mom, let's go. What you need to do is you need to grab your tickets. If you can't financially work here to support and drag her along with you. This is what we're doing. I'm the adult and this is what we're doing. And she might stand there the whole time with her arms crossed and rolling her eyes. But I promise you, if she picks up or comes back with one nugget that's stuck, we've done our job, you've done your job. And mm-hmm. and I promise you that she'll probably uncross her arms by the end of the conference and yeah. might have a few smiles here and there. But you have to take that initiative as parents. And you're so right. I think we've come, there's such like a far stretch from the previous generations where we had to completely do everything that our parents told that we we mm-hmm. took such a far stretch. Now we're like, oh, if they don't want, and yes, we want our kids to make decisions and we want to set boundaries for them we want to pick our battles but at the end of the day be the parent and set those boundaries let your child know like these are the instances where where I'll give you choice choice I'll give you uh, advice on what I think would work best but you ultimately it's your decision but then there's these things over here where like as your parent I have to be your parent and this is how it's going to be done and there's no Mm -hmm. like you know during those those ages it's important to give them boundaries And it's important to give them initiative because they also need that from us as parents. Mm
0: -hmm. Boundaries. Boundaries. So important with kids. uh, Pick your battles for sure. (laughs) Otherwise, you'll be exhausted from fighting with your kids. (laughs) But boundaries with kids, like, uh, kind of amazing to me. So I I don't want to say kids these days, but, like, you meet a lot of kids these days. Um, who just clearly don't have the same boundaries that we did as kids. I don't know. It's such a strange thing for me to watch, if I'm being honest. But anyway.
1: (laughs) It's it's a very different generation. It really is. It's very, very different than, you know, the one that we grew up in. Um, But I think, yeah, setting boundaries. And I'll also add, like, setting expectations. Because (laughs) there's a lot of stats on there in terms of – you know, when we set expectations for our children, um, they're, they're able to achieve a lot more. So create, again, I, when I say boundaries, also expectations, they kind of go hand, hand in hand. Um, but there's a fine gray area that we don't want to set our children up um, with expectations that are beyond what they're capable of. So it's really, really important to not create standards that we would want for our kids, but setting standards also, um, you know, that we think that's their best. Full potential that they can live up to. So that's it's really important to pay attention to that. I know that we see it far too often uh, within our education systems. We still have a lot of parents that you know, if kids aren't coming home with the straight A's, then they're made to feel less than. And so when I talk about like setting boundaries and expectations, just making it clear that that's not what I mean. Like we want to um, set expectations that you know we think that are that are best for our children as their parent, but also they need to be very much realistic. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, in our generation, I find that setting goals is like a big deal right now, maybe a little bit trendy, which is just a different way of saying setting expectations. Like I'm going to set a goal and I expect that I'm going to reach that goal if I follow this strategy that I've put in place for myself. And when you're talking about setting goals, like if you're if you Google it, you'll read all sorts of stuff about smart goals and yeah, I go right there. Hey, so you could read it for me because <laughs> I can't remember what all of them are. But the one, the A, is attainable. Yeah, and I think people maybe forget <laughs> that one. Like your goal or your expectation, you have to be able to achieve it. Otherwise, what's the point?
1: Exactly. So we look at smart goals: specific, measurable, attainable, rev, rev- Sorry, relevant and timely right so we want to make sure that we're doing that with our kids and different aspects of their life and that we're doing that for ourselves um a lot of the work that we do especially in terms of our our coaching and our counseling um with both women and girls is we always set smart goals and we make sure um you know that they are attainable right we don't want to set something and then set ourselves up to fail um, of course, we failing is completely normal. And that's how we grow. But we definitely want to set goals that we think that we can achieve. It's so, so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, like and take weight loss, for example, because so many people are thinking about losing weight, especially this time of year, we're going into January, New Year's resolutions, all that fun stuff, you would be shooting yourself in the foot to say, I'm going to lose 40 pounds in four months. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um most people don't make it through 3 weeks of following their fitness and diet plan so ex- having too high of expectations for yourself is you think about it and you think oh no no I got to readjust this goal for myself it's the same thing with kids like expecting your child who has trouble sitting still for 10 minutes let alone 40 minutes expecting them to come home with an A in math might be too high of an expectation and that I mean you're setting yourself up for failure by expecting yourself to lose 40 pounds in a short period of time you're setting your child up for failure expecting them to come home with an a in an environment where they might struggle and that's going to wreak havoc on their brain and how they walk through life in the future and our the whole goal of parents is to just raise adults like functioning adults
1: adults and i think far too often we we tend to forget that i mean our childhood is such a short period of time when you look at you know your whole life and so our goal as parents is to just raise kids that are going to be able to go out there and hopefully be as healthy and happy as they can you know in the adult world and so when you look at things you know on a bigger scale um who is looking at what your child got in grade 4 math (laughs) no right so we need to sometimes take a step back and maybe for that child like like you mentioned that um struggles to sit still maybe it is just to get through the day without running into an issue forget about the the math grade altogether maybe that's what the goal is for that child Mm -hmm. and really coming coming out of um you know i hate to say but coming out of that grade grade system and, and t- setting goals aside from that as a family it's so so important and it is something that we teach a lot at, at, with mother daughter empower because um it's it's really important for kids to feel like they're succeeding and they're doing well and far too often unfortunately our education system is set up and designed to make them feel less than if they're not grading at a, at a certain level so it's really really important to take a look at the holistic Uh, approach in terms of goal setting and 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 doing that as a family is a really great way of of highlighting the other things that your children are doing really well as well.
0: Mm -hmm. For sure. This is awesome. Okay, I would, I know, you know, a lot about this. So I would love to get into a little bit more about the differences between boys and girls through high school years, maybe a little bit before that, because I think I I mean, I took women's studies at university, and I'm a total nerd about this stuff. And also, I just notice how people speak differently to men versus women. And that stuff drives me nuts. But this stuff happens in school to kids who don't understand. And I think that there's a lot of pe- parents these days who go, oh, no, everything's equal, you know? And I think you're, yeah, yeah again, setting your kids up for failure by yeah. expecting that everything's going to be fair all the time.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it's, and it's not, and that's the reality, just when it comes down to the stats, like the numbers speak volumes. And as much as we would love to to think that, yes, we've come a long way, absolutely, but we still have a long way to go. And I think even if you look at like the gender uh, wage gap, I think right now we're sitting at about, you know, roughly about 80 cents to a dollar when you compare uh, the average salary of a woman versus a man in the workforce. So again, those stats speak volumes. And when people come to me and they're like, well, how come you don't do programs for boys? And I have a son. I do. Not to say that it's not important, um, but we're working very specifically to see a change in those numbers. And and the stats are speaking for themselves. Um, I think the other day I read a statistic uh that it would take us over six hundred years to if we're going at this at the rate that we are right now to to see um uh an, an average of the same gender um wage so <laughs> we talked about that 80 cents if we keep on going the way that we're going uh it'll take several several generations before we actually do see equal opportunity um and so it does take a lot of work it takes organizations like our charity it takes like moms everyday moms stepmoms grandmas to come in there and do the work so that we can see a difference in those stats and you know not have to wait 600 years to see them so it's uh it takes a village we have to create that village that's what we're trying to do here is creating that village creating the resources um the education the tools to be able to really really have an impact because it all comes down to um you know We want to create the best world possible for for the next generation. And it's going to take uh, a whole collective to be able to to do that.
0: Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So what are we seeing in schools these days that's different for boys versus girls? So I think, um,
1: well, one thing that just comes to mind is there seems, uh, especially right now, Um, almost like an influx of um, ADHD diagnosis or different neurodiversity diagnosis. And we're finding, I know for myself, there's a lot of women now in their 30s and 40s that are getting diagnosed, obviously, that had Mm -hmm. um, that could have been diagnosed when they were young. So I find like the awareness piece is now there. But just, um, it, it looks very different in terms of when you look at boys and girls in the education system. And that's why for girls, it goes, Undiagnosed for so long because a lot of times they don't have the uh, hyperactiveness that comes with the stigma of having um, ADHD. So um, there's a lot more work, I think, in terms of um, you know being able to get diagnosed and get the help that you need at a younger age makes a big difference in schools. Um, but aside from the whole you know grades and whatnot and 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 learning aspect, there's a whole. Um, like the relationship aspect that is very different as well and i think that goes to say i think that even within our generation we always found that a lot of that drama that happens per se is usually wrapped around girls and issues with other girls and it seems like through <laughs> high school and even like the middle school you don't see that as much with the boys um so the relationship piece the communication piece the boundaries piece um is is a lot of of what we do in terms of <laughs> with girls, and a lot of the girls that we come to see us or the moms you know it's really hard as a mother to look at your child struggling in in their friendships and their relationships and um so to be able to provide them with those resources and guidance and create boundaries and one of the big components that we also like to teach, especially girls, is understanding and knowing that not everyone has to like you. Not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone is meant to like you and vice versa. If you're not going to like everyone, you're not meant to be everyone's person. Um, because I think we're thrown into this world thinking, no, we have everyone needs to like us. You're, you might not like your teacher one year and maybe you might even feel that your teacher doesn't like you, right? That it happens. Um, so having those conversations at a young age so that they understand that that's okay. You're allowed to be you and not everyone is going to like you. I think it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's one that we need to understand so that we can be confident in being ourselves. We need to respect everyone. We're not going to get along, but there needs to be that component of respect and, and being able to understand that within our friends group, choose friends that, you know, appreciate you. Um, far too often, like sometimes we chase friendships. And it's clear that that person does not respect you, does not um, respect your boundaries. And it's really hard for a young girl to navigate. How do I walk away from that? How do I choose friends that actually do respect me and respect my boundaries and want what's best for me? Um, And so we we do talk and do a lot of work around that because it is a struggle that I find a lot of girls at some point or another um, are going to have to face. And so, again, it's it's giving them those tools in, in their toolbox to take out and even being able to have those conversations. I know for a lot of us, we didn't have the opportunity to talk through that with our, our moms or, again, as, as our moms, they might not know what to do. So how do you support your child and what type of, of resources can you provide to them when they're going through those situations?
0: I never really thought about this the social issues that girls might experience in school, that's different from boys. And I mean, I have seen, you know, Kevin's daughter, for example, fighting with her friends every other week. I never thought about the fact that that might just be entirely hormonal. (laughs) You know how like girls will fight with their friends and the next week they are like perfectly fine and boys look at them like, what is wrong?
1: with you (laughs) yeah and it's very good it and it's it really is different like you don't get that type of a quote i keep saying quote unquote drama because it's like especially from one week to another it could be something completely different and it's a new issue or it's so it's like almost like a constant um i would say uphill battle or a constant relationship (laughs) education Mm -hmm. that needs to be done. Yeah. And even when you look at, like, within the school system, bullying as as well is a huge issue right now. Um, You have kids or young girls. I think that happens to both. I think the stats is, like, pretty much equal in terms of of boys and girls, um, but especially specifically children that are just targeted on a daily basis. Can you imagine if you walked into your workplace and you were targeted every day? You don't see that happening every anymore it would be a lawsuit, right? Like it just it happens, but it's um there's a lot more awareness and there's a lot more action being taken. Um but I think that there's still a lot more work to do in terms of like the education system and um parents being able to advocate for their kids um because everyone should feel safe uh, you know on an mm-hmm. everyday basis going to
0: mm-hmm. let's talk about bullying for a minute because i've seen this with the kids as well in school um and i mean let's just get it out on the table right now bullying is 100 percent always an unhealthy response to being unable to manage your own emotions yes um so olivia has definitely shared with me a couple of times, you know, she'll be talking about something that happened at school and all, oh, but the kid sitting next to me was kicking my chair or smacking the back of my head. Like this was an actual thing that happened. The kid yeah. sitting next to her behind her was hitting her in the back of the head over and over and over again. And she told the teacher and the teacher didn't do anything about it. Kid keeps hitting her in the head. <laughs> um, and I gave her like, what well, was probably bad advice, but I'm still happy with it. I'm like, well, this kid keeps hitting you in the back of the head and you have talked to your teacher and your teacher hasn't done anything about it, tell them to stop really loudly. And if it continues, punch them in the face. (laughs) I hate to say it, but I mean, at that point, my, from my perspective, it is (laughs) self-defense. But how do we talk to our kids about bullying? Because it's not bullying does not stop at someone just verbally harassing you or posting stuff online it gets physical and it can get physical in a way that adults will be like oh they're just being kids and will do nothing about it despite seeing it right in front of their faces so like how do we teach kids to set boundaries for themselves and stick to them but like not turn into a violent individual
1: yeah and that's a great question, and it's it is um, it's not an easy situation at all to navigate, especially in terms of um, in terms of the schools and their guidelines that they need to follow. Um, because, like even you mentioned in your situation, if somebody keeps ver- like verbally and physically assaulting you, what what are your options, right? Mm-hmm. And I know even just recently working with a young girl, uh, grade eight. She was having an issue with every single day This bully was literally throwing food at her, putting mm-hmm. food in her hair. It's horrible. And and her mm-hmm. mom was at a point where like, I don't know what to do because we've been to the school, we've had these conversations. And then the option that we're giving is that she wants to move to a different class. So it's also mm-hmm. like in terms of our systems, I feel like a lot of times, like, why does that girl who's getting singled out, why is she having to move to another
0: class? I, right? For There's just another element that I want to add to this is the kid who takes the physical abuse over and over and over again and has teachers telling them, oh, he's just doing that because he has a crush on you or not doing anything about it at all. Well, that's the girl who's going to grow up and find herself on a date with someone she doesn't want to be on a date with. And she's going to end up sleeping with him despite not wanting to sleep with him. That's what's going to happen. That's how we raise girls who don't say no.
1: Exactly. And who wants to have somebody that has a crush on them that's throwing food at them? Like you know, it doesn't that's... make real sense, right? But this is, yeah. again, like all of those old school ideologies that have been implemented into our society for many, many years. It's really important to advocate. And it's really hard to juggle, especially at that age, because a lot of kids are like, well, if I speak up, it's going to get worse. And that's mm-hmm. where I really think that it's up to the adults in our education system that are there to protect our, ch- our children they really really need to set that bar a lot higher like there needs to be in my opinion um no uh, like a zero tolerance these kids need to either be suspended and like literally like there needs to be more severe consequences and i know every school can look a little bit different um but even being being able to support as a parent like if you're going in there and you're not getting the answers you know you there are other options you can go further up into the school board you can actually go out and get help like I was able to help support that mom and you know setting up another meeting and asking like these specific questions and sometimes you just need some support as well because it's very it could be very intimidating walking into a school system where you have like a principal vice principal uh, you know EA assistant or what that looks like and they're all telling you one thing and you, you're leaving and you're like oh my gosh I've accomplished nothing from this meeting right so even navigating all that, Uh, It's not easy, but it's really, really important, Um, especially even for our kids to show that we're advocating for -hmm. them in those situations.
0: Mm -hmm. Goodness. Yeah. I don't even know what any ideas of what to do in those situations. Like, yes, you could escalate the conversation, but as a parent with a kid who is saying, you know, they're coming home and saying, (laughs) I'm getting smacked in the back of the head every day multiple times, and I, did you tell the teacher? Yes, I told the teacher she did nothing about it. Um, Yeah, what do you do? And all of these, all schools will say that they have a zero tolerance policy for bullying. But it seems to me that that comes into place when when someone gets punched in the face. And then as the person who did the punching, who my brother, my brother had this as a kid when he was in grade seven, I think there was a kid pushing him over and over and over again, just giving him a hard time. And my brother turned around and punched him in the face. And we know the teacher and we like the teacher very much. Um, And the teacher was just like, yep, we have to suspend him. But well done. like, I don't know. I feel like, go ahead.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, I think that in a lot of situations, the teachers, their hands are so tied in terms of like rules and regulations. Um, that this happens a lot, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's why there needs to be like stricter guidelines so that if that kid is, you know, constantly bullying, whether it's threatening and they get suspended, the other kids around will be like, oh, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. I better watch what I'm doing or else this could happen to me too. It also sets that tone. They're really, if you're saying there's a zero tolerance for bullying, you can't wait till somebody gets punched in the face to then step in and have a consequence. Mm -hmm. There needs to be more serious consequences, even in terms of, just being verbally abusive, like it—it it, yeah. it needs to stop, right?
0: I should clarify that I'm not hating on teachers at all. <laughs> no, um, I,
1: it's a—it's a hard, hard job. It takes a very certain type of individual to be able to take on that role, and—and it's—it's hard.
0: I would do a horrible job of wrangling thirty kids. I don't care what age they are. I would do a horrible job of it. So good job for trying yes Yes. (laughs) showing up every day and doing it um definitely a tough situation to be in i'm thinking that maybe just all girls should be enrolled in like karate or something some sort of martial arts where there is a um, an accountability and respect aspect to it (laughs) where you're gonna learn how to defend yourself but also you're gonna learn how to be respectful (laughs) yeah (laughs) For a <laughs> exactly. So, why don't you tell me more about what Mother and Mother Daughter Empower provides, like with your conferences and everything? What do you have going on there? Tell me about that.
1: Absolutely. So, the conference is a really, really unique event. Um, again, going back to what we couldn't find, we decided to create it ourselves. So, uh, it's an event that brings together um, both generations and sometimes even three generations. Um, We've opened it up to women and girls, so you don't necessarily have to have a daughter to attend the event. Um, And we've had even this year, we've had dads that have attended with their daughters as well. So it's open to caregivers as well. And it's a wonderful event that really highlights uh, girls that are making a difference within their homes, their schools and their communities that are doing really cool stuff. Um, It's also an opportunity to highlight uh, business owners so we do women led businesses and girl bosses so we have a lot of young girls that are running their own business, whether that's a product or service so they get highlighted there at the event. And then we also host workshops um, that are going on simultaneously throughout the day. Um, It's a really great way to come in um have that really i guess uninterrupted time with your daughter if you're attending with your with your daughter it's like we're creating the space and time to do that uh it's all about personal development growth mindset um we just hosted last september we had somebody you know doing a workshop on reiki so the tickets were super super accessible 27 bucks um you know in in previous years the tickets were about 200 bucks so it's a big big difference accessible to everyone and you can come in and really learn and grow together so you can try these different things see what fits in your toolbox because again every um tool can look different some things work for somebody um other people it doesn't so try these different um workshops that are there we had a vision board workshop goal setting workshop as well uh, we had we brought in um, a media expert to talk about for those that you know wanted you know dream to go onto TV and how it all starts with confidence, um, and that's how it's developed and and even things to do in the classroom that could help build their confidence. Um, and so we we do all these uh, workshops simultaneously. We try to switch it up every year, and then we also have our guest speakers. So we do a pan uh, like a guest speaker panels this year with uh, with women who run the world and also body positivity. And so it's just a really cool event that gives the opportunity for both, you know, women and girls of different ages to come in, learn, grow together, uh, learn about the organization. And then, of course, we do community workshops. Um, so we work on a funding basis So we will apply for funding within the community. And once that funding is granted, we can come in and do a workshop or a series of workshops. So if there's somebody out there that's listening and it's like, oh, I would really love for them to come, you know, talk about this or, or do this in our community, feel free to reach out. Um, We can work on a grant app within the municipality and then we kind of pop up across Ontario and eventually across Canada. Um, And then our one on one coaching and counselling and same thing. It's all a fun, fun dependence. So as soon as we get a grant for a certain amount of hours, we're able to provide that back within the community. Um, And we like to take a very preventative approach. So I know a lot of other charitable organisations are kind of in doing like the emergency work uh where we will also support that but we're going in there and doing the preventative work. So we really love to work with women and girls on an annual basis. Um once a month with that being said we have the flexibility depending on what someone's needs are. Um but we've seen so far the most growth in terms of developing confidence when we work with individuals on a on an annual basis. So um we've we've had several testimonials now that were into this over the last year in terms of growth and and what that does to have that mentorship and guidance, and being able to uh, coach somebody and counsel someone on, on an annual basis. Um, so again, when these fires come up, they have the tools and resources to deal with them, and it also really prevents these emergency situations from happening. And I think you know, a couple of months ago, I sat at a roundtable discussion with. There was over forty community charitable organizations there. And that's the one thing that they've said. We were the only organization at the table that worked on the preventative work. And they all agree that if we don't want people to become homeless, teens, moms, we don't want them to be in abusive relationships. We have to do that preventative work. And we don't have enough organizations that are doing it right
0: now. That's really awesome. Can you tell me more about what you would work with girls and mothers on if you're doing like the monthly um, work with them? What does that look like? So a lot of times, it,
1: it really depends on what their needs are. So I'll give you like two random examples, just so you have something to think about. So for, uh, we had a woman come to us, and she was really struggling, uh, wasn't so pleased and like her day to day job was really struggling with self confidence. She hurt, you know, she had two grown sons, and she was struggling on creating boundaries and had zero time for herself was doing everything for everyone else. Um, and so we started working together. We started setting some goals. That's how it all starts, right? Thinking about what your priorities are, what you want to change, and then setting goals. And I think what's also huge is having that accountability piece. I think that accountability piece goes such a long way um, because sometimes it's really, really easy to be <laughs> accountable to someone else. It's really hard to be accountable to ourselves, right? But in practicing that on a monthly basis and coming back to the table and being like, these are the issues that I want to change. This is what I've done over the last month to change them. Um that that one woman that we worked with uh funny enough i i met with her this morning it was her last session her last annual session and we went excuse me we went through all of the um goals that she had set on a monthly basis and on an annual basis and she had achieved all of them
0: wow Um,
1: and it was incredible to see she ended up starting her own business she has been booking clients we helped her develop a business plan, provided her resources of where to go to access, um, and it. And she's flourishing. She's actually scheduled like self care and learned about boundaries. And it. And she said that the transformation that has happened to her, um, she doesn't hardly recognize herself. She would have never been able to achieve those things without the guidance and support. So that's just one example. Um, and the ripple effect. She did talk about the ripple effect of how her children were like mom. You think that you've changed, but like, not in a bad Like They're noticing it and they're starting to set boundaries and respecting her boundaries because she now has the confidence to even talk about them to her family. So this always has like, that has a ripple effect on, on so many different aspects of your life. So again, it depends on what someone needs support with. Um, And then we have, for example, um, a young, a young girl that we're working with that was really, really struggling um, with her friendship group and developing um, her confidence, her mom had reached out and and said that she could really benefit. And and same thing, we've, uh, you know, over a couple of months, we're able to set some goals. And she really, we're not coming in and saying, well, you should do this, this and this, it helps their confidence by coming up with those goals themselves, we can help guide them. Um, So for example, for her, um, she had set a goal for herself of, of talking to somebody, every week, she'd talk to somebody that she normally wouldn't Um, speak to or go up to or have a conversation or ask a question. Um, And that was a goal that she felt comfortable, it was going to push her, but she felt again, you know, attainable. (laughs) She felt comfortable being able to set that for herself. And I promise you that every time she'll go up to somebody and do that, it's going to start building her confidence and what that's going to look like a year from now. I can't wait to see, um, you know, how she's going to feel about that in a year.
0: That's really cool. And definitely an attainable goal and one that I could see a lot of kids struggling with, for example, just even raise your hand in class and ask a question. Yes. Yeah, Exactly. gracious. What else should we know about you before we close off this episode? I, By the way, sorry, you mentioned earlier that you have dads coming to the conference. And I think that that is genius. And I think that like every single dad or primarily involve dad or they should go and the mother who has the dad who is maybe a little bit not connected with what stuff is like for girls these days she should send him with the daughter (laughs) to the conference absolutely
1: (laughs) Absolutely. yes it's so important because and we even had we had a dad reach out where his daughter um was actually one of the finalists and he's like you know i just don't know like, uh, he didn't know that it was open to dad. So he's like, I don't want to send her there alone. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, her mom maybe isn't. I'm like, no, you need to come. He's like, Really I'm like, yes, please come. Um, There'll be other dads there. I always, you know, drag my husband along as well. Um, We have volunteers that are males as, as well that help out with the event. So it's just so important because again, it's, it's the, I always say, if you leave with one nugget, we've done our job and just having that impact, even if we've, been able to change one person or you know help one person then then we're making a difference so it's important to have the dads come out and absorb it as well
0: that's awesome I love this thank you so much Tara (laughs) thank you do you have a ridiculously happy moment for us oh my
1: gosh I was thinking about that and I have to say um I'm gonna say the birth of my of all of my kids, but especially the first one, Sophia. (laughs) (laughs) For the moms that are listening, it's such a, it it is a surreal moment to become a a mom. It really is. Um, I know that for myself, I became a mom um, at a pretty young age, considering like I was just about to turn 25, which is considerably young in our society to become a mom. Um, It wasn't something that was planned, um, but I always like to say there's nothing that happens to you. Everything happens for you. Um, And so I think becoming a mom is definitely in that and being able to give birth is really the most magical experience, certainly that I've ever been through.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And your daughter is doing so well, obviously. I'm going to say, pushing you to start charity.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. She's um, she's still very much involved and in different ways. It's interesting because when she was younger, um, I know like last year, she was co-hosting the event with me where she was speaking a lot on stage and that pushed her out of, out of her comfort zone. And this year, um, she opted for doing more of the behind the scenes. So she was on stage, not as much. She was doing a lot of the social media. She took an interest in that. Um, so it's, it's really nice to get to like, for her to get to know different aspects of the organization and to get involved kind of where she wants to get involved and who knows later on, um, you know, where she'll see herself being fit into the organization. But I always tell her, I say, you know, this is also a gift to her because I don't think she realizes yet how much of an impact Mm
0: -hmm. the the
1: whole charity will have on, on her life. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And are you finding that her sister is kind of?
1: Yes, this was up. the first year um, that Mia, uh, my youngest, and actually Romeo, my, my son as well. They all attended the conference this year. We we hosted it locally. Um, and so we, we typically say, you know, seven to 14 is kind of like age seven and she's six. So this year she sat in the front row. Uh, she came and danced on stage when we were playing music so she's starting (laughs) to absorb it all and so again it's like that next generation right and it'll be interesting to see where she kind of wants to get involved and sees herself within the organization as well it's 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 also very selfish of me because then I get to (laughs) create these really unique moments and I encourage everyone to do that honestly if you can bring your kids on for the ride and the journey and make it as accessible as possible. Like whatever you're doing in your day-to-day life, we spend so much time in our work, right? It, it, it consumes us. So if we can, you know, integrate our, our children into that and, and it's not just work, it becomes our life. I think there's so many benefits to that.
0: Well, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. It's going to have, I'm sure, such an impact on me as confidence, like right now.
1: Absolutely. And it's,
0: it's so true. I see the
1: difference, you know, there's six years difference between my both, both of my girls. And I see such a huge difference just in terms of like, when you think about um, just mothering, like I'm a different mother. I know so much more. I'm more educated in terms of like brain development. So just how I've been able to raise my first, second and third, like we become, we, we learn so much, right? So I see the difference in my youngest who's able to advocate for herself in so many ways um that I didn't even know was possible like when she's really upset she'll say I need a hug like she could physically verbally tell me what she needs in those moments and that's like just so awesome to see because she has those tools in her toolbox and she's utilizing that which is so cool to see at such a young age
0: yeah that is really cool I have shared before on this podcast I saw this really is hilarious like you laugh about it this video on instagram of this i think young boy and one of his relatives was trying to mess with him and he just kept saying i'm tired i'm cranky and i worked hard at school today but he's just like no we are not doing that because i'm tired i'm cranky and i worked hard at school today and i'm just like this is hysterical but also wow emotional intelligence much like this kid is like no thank you <laughs>
1: I've seen that video and I love and it was hysterical, but it's so it just really does speak volumes. And I think that also speaks volumes on the generation that today that is growing up that we allow them to express themselves, which is huge, because I think that was, there's a lot of lack of that in previous generations, kids Mm -hmm. just weren't allowed to freely express themselves. So there's a lot in um, being able to express your needs, express your emotions, and, uh, and how that has such just a positive effect. But I love that you brought up that example because I did see it and it was great.
0: (laughs) That kid is awesome. I want to see that kid as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So uh, my ridiculously happy moment is going to be that I have now hit 16 days in a row of exercising, which is shocking and awesome because I have not been working out consistently for a couple of years. So I feel good. i feel no no pressure i don't have to push myself to do it it's just happening so it's awesome
1: i love that i love that congrats and i love that you mentioned it's all about feeling healthy and doing things that make us feel good right so 16 Mm -hmm. days in a
0: row that's a lot
1: so give yourself a big tap on the back (laughs) thank
0: you thank you (laughs) where can people find you tara
1: Um, They can find us on social media at Mother Daughter Empower and on our website, www.motherdaughterempower.org.
0: And you have, I'm not sure if you still have open spots, but you have a special product, service, I don't know, founders something for your
1: social media and everything?
0: Go for Absolutely. it. That?
1: Yeah. So we are still looking. Uh, we've set a goal for our 100 founding supporters. So these are 100 either people, businesses, organizations that believe in our mission and want to support us. Um, once we reach that 100 founding supporters, we'll have reached one of our goals of creating some sustainability within the organization. So um, those founders commit to donating a minimum of $25 a month for a commitment of at least one year, so 12 months. And as a thank you, um, we will thank them via our social media and they will remain on our website forever as our 100 founding supporters. So they have the opportunity to either share their name as a donor or if they're a business or organization, we will share their logo um, and put them in front of our audience to thank them as well.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so go check out Mother Daughter Empower on all of the social media. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank and you. I, you're very welcome. <laughs> I am Sophia Levin. I photograph Ridiculously Happy People, and you can find me on Instagram as well, and I am following Tara everywhere, um, at Ridiculously Happy People, and that's spelled P-P-L, and you can also find me on Facebook, and Pinterest, and at SophiaLem.com. and if you want to have your Ridiculously Happy Moment shared on the pod, you can record it if you go to happyp.pl slash moment, or you can watch for the prompts on social media, um, and you can read it out loud. Um, and thanks for sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. And everything you do helps spread this ridiculously happy moment. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.